three, two, one. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Andrew Ryan, and welcome to a special episode called Armchair Reacts. This is not a regular episode. This is not an Armchair Philosophers. It's where me and some special guests, and sometimes the co-hosts you hear on the regular show, come in and talk about something that I just can't not talk about, uh, because it something I've watched, seen in the world, seen happen, something I've experienced, uh, that I just want to talk about in a reaction way. And if I made it a regular episode, we'd never get to it, because there's set topics I like bringing up in a specific order. Um, so the first uh, guest I have is my editor, Leslie. Leslie, introduce yourself. Uh, so I'm Leslie as mentioned i'm the editor for armchair philosophers i also have a gaming channel if you want to check that out where i do my own stuff a uh, little bit of context before we get into what we're discussing today i'm 25 cis white from a small town so that might add some context to what i have to say today <laughs> yeah i think we're all going to be coming at this from a cis white perspective and uh you'll recognize this next person my regular Host Ridge. Getting in through the door at the last possible second. It's me. So you might be wondering what has driven Andrew and to bring these people together to talk about at last minute's notice and a reaction sort of way. Well, we've all here watched Inside by Bo Burnham, a comedian who quit five years ago and recently came back with this special. Um, some context uh, about this special. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's about an hour and a half long. It's a very good piece of content. It is labeled as comedy. I would disagree with that label. Um, on top of that, Bo is a creator who blew up on YouTube. Uh, he got He's one of those like American dream stories where he had a YouTube video, got a lot of views, and his career is entirely based on that. And on top of that, this entire thing is done in one small room uh, with a kitchen and bed in the room. Uh, it's done with a lot of neat equipment, and it's very impressive on a creator's scale. Like if you're a creator who wants to look at doing things in, a, in an interesting way, it's very worth the watch just to see how he approaches things and how he makes the room feel bigger than it actually is. And as usual for Bo Burnham, from what I'm aware of, his music is as good as always like it's a good music despite being like a comedy type of music or a commentary type of music um so i guess we'll just get right into it and we're going to be going through this as it happened in his uh special uh so it it's kind of going to be piecemeal as we go so let's start with the first song which um, I don't know the actual names of the songs. I labeled them based off what I thought the names would be. Um, I called this one the intro song. Uh, I have the names of the official songs according to Spotify, if you want me to read them out. Yeah, sure. So what's the first yeah, song actually first called? lists is content. Okay. So in this song, uh, if you told me a year ago that we'd be in, locked up in our rooms, I would have said, get out of here. Like. He talks about uh, the pandemic, how getting up and doing anything's a struggle. He talks about how people um, deal with the pandemic, how people expect 
other people to make content during this pandemic. And he's like, fine, here's your content open wide. I'm shoving it down your throat. All in a grand total of a minute and 36 seconds. Real short song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not a lot of touch on here because it's pretty much this pandemic's awful. Why do you want me to make con? Like, I've heard, a, I read a comment on Facebook once that said, if you ask anybody what they did in 2020, that's a rude thing to do. And this, this is kind of that, right? I think there's, it's also sets up a theme that's going to recur later with sort of like content as a derogatory term. Yeah, uh, it sets up him his kind of framing of his view on content and the internet and social media as a whole. And it also, also for people at home, sorry about the baby, that is Leslie's baby. Yes. Um, if you hear that in the background. But um, it, it's, it's very short, so not a lot to comment on. I uh, just wanted to know if you guys had any thoughts on this. For, like, this initially was like, this is not going to be comedy. I knew right away when this is how he started off. Yeah, it was a weird jumping off point for me because I know when I watched it on Netflix, Netflix put it in the comedy section. And as soon as it jumped off with that, I went, this is not going to be what I consider comedy. Right. But it's still going to be an interesting commentary on the social situation during 2020. And it is interesting. I mean, as somebody that currently I'm making videos for YouTube and I started that during the pandemic, it was hard. It's hard to put yourself in the mindset of making content when the rest of life is at a standstill. Yeah. Uh, and I did, I started the podcast um, and I invited people on and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, this will be over soon. And then once it was a year in, a lot of the times I would go through these swings where like one day I'd be fine. And then the next day it would be like, just putting pants on and getting to the couch was like a feat of strength for me. Yeah, same here. And so I just, I just found, I, I instantly related to what he was saying. Um, the co content side less so because this pandemic is what inspired me to create content to try and get something out of it being at mm -hmm. home all the time connecting to my friends across discord across you like across the internet was the only thing i had so that it's kind of the opposite for me where it was like i want to be doing something i have to not um and he does touch on that a little later on but um after the song he there's a lot of cuts between his songs transitions and a lot of them seem to be him working on building this kind of special he did and what he went through to do it. Um, this one, this cut after this song is a very quick, slow zoom on the camera. Uh, almost this comes up a lot. Uh, this zoom on this camera. In fact, I think his Twitter profile picture is this camera right now. So it feels like he's trying to communicate something <laughs> with this camera. <laughs> I think it's interesting the sections between this one being the first one where it's some of them give you sort of a view of like the process of making it in between. And I think it's interesting because it's something he's played with in the past, right? Like one of the most uh, one of the most memorable bits from one of his previous specials to me was one where he walks across the stage and accidentally spills the water bottle that he's drinking from, and he's like, "Oh, whoops!" You know, and plays it off and stands up, and then a pre-recorded song in the background plays that takes about ten seconds. It's like 
that was intentional. He meant to spill the water. He's deceiving you into thinking that you have some sort of like parasocial relationship with him. And it's something he's played around with the past. And I think it's interesting that he's using that here. Yeah. Like he goes meta with his comedy and yes. commentary. So the next song I called Comedy Savior. What is it actually called? Comedy. Okay. Well, I was close. Yep. Uh, I call it Comedy Savior because, um, and it's called Comedy because it starts out with like, how can we joke at a time like this? Like, how can comedy be anything relevant right now when everyone's so such in a bad way, right? He just mm-hmm. lit off with, I'm in a bad way. Everyone's in a bad way. He's like, I'm a comedian. How am I supposed to be here right now? And then, like, about maybe halfway into the song or more further earlier, it's like, no, wait, I'm a <laughs> comedians are good in a tongue in cheek way, and that white we need more opinions from white guys, white straight males. <laughs> There's a moment where it starts with, uh, you know, but what can I do as someone who is in a group that's had the stage for the last 500 years? Maybe I could shut up. And then, like, it goes silent for about five seconds and goes, no, I'm bored. Bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was interesting. It starts out, I'm like, okay, it's about how he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing in this. And then there's subtle jabs at what was going on in the world at the time of him filming the special. Like, if you see men in white cloaks, call me up, I'll tell you a joke. Which puts it into a place in time, and then uh, I think... It's almost like he's... Sorry, go. You had mentioned where he goes, he says he's a special kind of white guy, which as if it gives him a special platform. Um, And I feel like he's completely joking at himself at that point oh yeah because yeah he's like call me and i'll tell like the things he says call me and i'll tell you a joke for are like real world problems that we have to face and he's framing the joke as if it's like solving those problems he's like oh white guys in robes i'll I'll tell you a joke and that'll solve that problem when we know that they won't (laughs) it's interesting because it's it's an interesting way of grappling with the fact that at the end of the day it is still what he's doing right like he is a comedian and this is a time where arguably from a certain point of view comedy can't do much and i think you know not to put aside the fact that this special has done a lot for a lot of people i mean that has been very clearly communicated by a lot of people who've seen it but when you're grappling with that problem yourself at some point you do have to come and it's something that is also mentioned is like what can i do to save the world that also gets me paid and keeps me at the center of attention (laughs) and like that that is we joke about it but that's actually a, a real consideration for someone who needs to make money to live and you yeah, have to and he also, with the fact that he wound up choosing to do that yeah and he talks about how his only skill set is comedy and he doesn't know what else he can possibly do in su- like it goes it switches between real sections where he contemplates what he like what comedy actually means right now and what he can do with it to fake sections where it's like oh yeah i'm a white savior i'm gonna say solve everyone's problems i don't want to shut up i like like it's it's very like what whoa 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 very, so i i know this is really blown up with like a lot of your gen z folks and on tiktok and stuff and i think that i think it really gets that because it hits the very common note in that sort of social circles jokes and memes of man we really are self-aware about the fact that the world is coming to a horrible end around us but there's nothing we can do about it so we're just going to keep doing the same thing we're always done 
and be referentially self-aware about it in a sort of dataist kind of way. And yep. this whole thing, like starting with comedy and then going from there, it just nails that vibe for a solid portion of the special. Yeah, which is it, completely fair because if you think about it, the everyday person, and I mean even Bo Burnham, who has had some amount of fame and luck in his life, there's not much we can do about the state of the world, really. If you really and, think about it, absolutely. Like end of the day, he can't even get the full song about Jeff Bezos in without them cutting it out. So, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, he dips his toe. This is the first sign that he dips his toe in doomerism or um there's nothing we can do just there's no point uh kind of rhetoric in this show um and so it transitions from this um to another common thing we see a lot where it's a shot of his window and it's the blinds blocking out the outside and like the the wild and he like opens the blinds a little and he he then talks into a mirror about making the this this special and how 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 he just wants it to be a distraction like and he then makes a suicide joke about himself and then we go instantly into another song called FaceTiming with my mom yep is that the real yeah okay it's FaceTime with my mom and then in brackets tonight mm-hmm it should be noted, by the way, about those segments in between, that he's very visibly like grows a beard over the course of the year. So you can tell by each on each one sort of where in time this part was recorded. Yeah. So when he first talked about he wants it to be a distraction and stuff, this is, you know, I don't want to say younger him, but like no beard going into the pandemic. You remember when we were all like, oh, we'll have so much free time. We can be productive. Kind of like you get that vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So FaceTiming with my mom starts out nice. Starts out like I just talked about how um, FaceTime with his mom is a necessary thing he needs to do for forms of communication right now. Mm -hmm. And then almost immediately goes into an annoyance about talking to his mom and how (laughs) the conversation is very shallow, how it's a waste of time to him. It's definitely more. I'd argue that it's one of the more comedic songs or like it, it came off as having that intention to me. Like, it's more, oh, we all have this relatable experience of, you know, FaceTiming with your mom and yeah, I've... down like that. Like, I feel that was, I, I, and I feel like it fits after the whole having younger him introduce the whole thing because it's sort of like, yeah, we are going to make jokes about this and it's going to be funny. And we haven't gotten to the, the later parts yet. I guess I just it felt very much uh, it's it matched a lot of his rhetoric that we'll see later where it's like this relationship with someone through a screen isn't really a great one and then on top of that like he parts of him really just want to be inside alone a lot of the time. Yep. What I really got from that is the disconnect of online communication with somebody you've previously communicated face to face with. And yeah. the feeling of fakeness in the conversations. He says his mom's talking about a TV show. And you kind of get the sense of, how are you talking about just this TV show you've seen when I'm having all these issues? Yeah, exactly. He, they, they, he doesn't have a real conversation with his mom about feelings or anything. It's about the blacklist or like 
how the yeah. weather is like it really really dumb conversation things when he really wants to talk about how he's feeling yeah um and then it turns so a very quick song again uh not much to touch on i i i get that it it's a little bit more comedy than a lot of the other songs but i really feel like he's trying to say something in this one more than he is on the straight comedy songs because there are straight comedy songs um there's a couple so for sure but... yeah and then it goes to him watching an airplane engine and then there i don't know if this was a mistake but there was a flash of him in the corner sitting in a chair for like a brief second um don't know maybe that's an editing mistake not sure if that was intentional I think it was intentional, but intentional with the intent of making it seem like an, like an editing mistake. Like, see the whole knocking the water bottle off the stool thing I mentioned earlier? Yeah. Like, I think it's intended to foster the idea that what you're seeing is genuine. Well, yeah. it absolutely was edited. Like, if you look at the the um, credits at the end of the special, he had a full, like, editing staff work on it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just no way he leaves that in, right? On purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I think it was left there on purpose to make it seem like it was not left there on purpose, right? Right. Exactly. There's just no way it's there without a, without him trying to communicate something. But I just didn't. It was so quick. Like I, 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 you have to really catch it with your pause button to really see it. Um, and then another song. That's how the world works. I think it's how called. The world works. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nail, nailing them so far. Uh, this song is where it starts getting really heavy. Um, this is not a comedy song. It starts out as a classic kids learning song. Like that's how the world works. Bees make honey. And then he puts on a sock. Everything, everything works together and everything gets what they need. Yeah. And then he puts on a sock. (laughs) And And Salko takes them to fucking town. The sock then goes, um, oh, you want me to talk about how the world works? And then he goes into like. Genocide, capitalism, neoliberal fascists, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, Bo's like, stop. And the sock goes, no, that's the point. And then... Well, he doesn't He doesn't say no, stop. He says, oh man, that sounds bad. What can I do about it? Yeah. And Sokko says, that's the problem with you fucking white people. You always have to make everything about your own self-actualization. Yeah. Uh, and it goes downhill from there. <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's like, I don't want to educate. I don't know how to how to solve this, but I don't want to be the one educating you on it. And Bo goes, well, I'm just trying to improve. And then Sako goes on a rant. And then Bo's like, I'm going to remove you, and, oh, which man. I saw as oppression. Like, oh, yeah. I saw this as an oppression. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Sock's like, oh, God, please don't do this. And then they sing about how he learned his lesson, and then Bo rips off the sock anyway. After after Bo makes him like apologize and call him sir, yeah, because we're just going for the maximum reflection of like the aforementioned neoliberal fascists destroying the left. Who are it was? Oh. I think it was the first one that hit me of like, oh shit, this is going somewhere, and I'm not sure where it's going yet, but. I'm going to have to do this in stages. It had me going, oh, this is going somewhere, and I approve of where it's going. Yeah, it's very clear to me. five years to get woke. Not that that he wasn't previously, but... No, but it's very clear to me that Bull has very left-leaning positions, uh, just based on his his talks on things. In short, he's correct. And by left, I mean true left, not the neoliberal left. And, uh, it's very clear to me that 
<laughs> he in this special at least he's framing his positions as right like there's just no arguing about it in this because they are and yeah there isn't. <laughs> well i mean you know what i mean no, like it's really, you know, <laughs> I, there really isn't though yeah it was it was the how the world work was very interesting to me i mean the first thing the sock starts off with is oh i was in a place where i was not quite dead not quite alive and it felt very much like Bo going yeah that's been me in this room this whole time yeah there's a lot of little things when i was when i was watching this for the first time i got up to this and i was like it's it's solid you know it's i I don't really remember i remember enjoying his earlier stuff but whatever and then how the world works plays and i it's fucking it absolutely sent me ballistic. It was yeah. great. I was like, okay, this is the best thing I've watched this year already, and I hadn't even gotten to the second half yet. Yeah, there's a and lot all- to pick apart here in this song specifically. And also just calling out the classist history of the world, saying it's like built on blood and genocide, which after the special came out, now Canada is facing the ghosts yeah. of it of its past, finally. And more people are starting to realize that no country is free from. Yeah, we're that's the woke era, right? We're entering this era where we're starting to realize that um, our past is not sunshine and roses. It's not we won at D Day. It's not like Bimmy Ridge was a great historical moment. It is that, but also it's there's hundreds and thousands of bodies underneath every residential school of the children Canadian government killed. And like that, that, that just—it's it, like this history we don't learn is history we should learn, so we don't repeat that kind of mistake. Uh, we're, this podcast, by the way, is uh, a left-leaning podcast, which is the right way to think about things. So I'm just gonna say that right now. Good. Um, but like, speaking of burying your head under the the pleasant looking uh facade of of modern neoliberalism mm-hmm. yeah yeah the next the next song white woman's instagram well first there's something more important to talk about oh that's true that's true which is brand consultant bow <laughs> that's, that's not on spotify so i skipped over it but that is there i forgot about that yeah i rewatched i rewatched the special again and this is where he gets into the neoliberalism uh that he comments on in the previous song where he frames uh the modern brands approach to movements and how modern brands attach themselves to social movements for pure profit reasons making an absurdity out of these social movements and absurdity out of the company because it's like jp morgan is against racism in theory because they're not doing anything that actually changes how they hire people they're not doing anything to address racism in their company. They're just put, putting a little black square on their profile pic or a rainbow yeah. flag on their profile pic. Like, and he frames it in an absurd way because he's like, who are you, Bagel Bites? Or like, <laughs> like well, we're doing this social justice movement to sell Butterfingers. Like, it just, it just really, really drills into that neoliberalism facade of like, the 90s i guess i would say in today rainbow capitalist uh, yeah exactly absolutely excellent it's so biting um that anybody who calls themselves a neoliberalism 
and watched this would like reel just from how true and awful uh, this criticism is about that. Actually, kind of... I sort of wonder about that. Like, I wonder if I, you know, sat my parents down in front of this, if they'd actually have any kind of realization or if they just sort of laugh along. And there's and just no way to, to deny the truth of that. Like, and people can pretend it's not real, but it, it, it's the reality. Like, it's just, you can't deny that's actually happened. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even people on the right acknowledge this kind of rainbow flag capitalism that's going on right now. Like, it's yeah. not an unknown thing. Um, which then we get to White Girls Instagram, which is a, I would say, a pure comedy song. I, I think it's actually got quite a little bit of, um, like, in the same way that uh, from one of his previous specials, there was the classic, you know, the straight white man and all the problems he faces as such one. I feel like this is, there's a lot of the things that he mentioned, because the, the song broadly is like, essentially you could think of it as like captions to your stereotypical set of photos from like an aesthetic Instagram page. Yeah. It's just the tropes of a white girl's Instagram. But but a lot of those are super appropriative or like more than mildly exploitative. Like they're, he, he goes from ones that are comparatively harmless, like, you know, lying in a meadow to like, I'm trying to remember exact examples, but definitely transitions into quite a few examples that come up that are like, well, uh, Dreamcatcher yeah, from great. JP, Dreamcatcher yeah. from whatever brand store. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely in it. So, from the white woman perspective, um, and <laughs> having seen these pictures all over Instagram, although luckily I was not called out by this song in specific, which I was pretty proud of myself for. Um, it really hit me as a commentary on how you have to work to die diversify your media if all you see is the same photos over and over and over again and the idealization of certain aesthetics or photos being so repeatable that people put them up on their feeds and they get attention versus the actual unique perspectives on the world yeah i i saw it like he's presenting this false reality that instagram likes to present because mm -hmm. it's like is this happen no it's a white girl's instagram it's like these people are presenting this idealized world it, it i i think i i was looking at it more like we're going through covid right now everyone's locked indoors but there's still these white girls instagrams with tiny pumpkins and people with like strange kooky crazy outfits and and setups in their one bedroom apartment like <laughs> it just yeah. it was like no, this isn't what reality is. It's just what these people are presenting. And it was common tropes. But I, I, yep. I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I can kind of see that commentary. I mean, the, fir the first time I watched it and listened to it, it definitely hit me as an all-comedy song of, haha, look at all these white women posting the same thing. But then my second listen-through of it and watch-through of it, I realized a bit more. And then I watched it a third time. And that's when I started to draw the conclusions. And I don't know if that's just my perspective and me projecting what I was thinking, but I think that's what I took away from it. I think it's definitely something other people have thought of too. Because I, I also sort of completely missed that on the first one. It was one of my less less preferred songs in my first run through. Uh, but I saw I think, I think a post subtle. someone made... Yeah, well, I saw a post someone made on Tumblr that really picked each item apart in turn and, like, went 
very hard on going through like the symbolism and the meaning behind each one and yeah. that like i it, it i think that your point of view on it leslie is not at all unfounded and it's something yeah. that people have done quite a, like a lot of people agree with and agree with, one... and with sources to back them up yeah it's the one i've seen the most of which says a lot because it's the one people are feel safe sharing with people oh right? interesting i've i've seen so this might be because I'm on TikTok these days, but the ones I've seen the most of, hands down, are Welcome to the Internet and uh, mm -hmm. All Eyes on Me. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, across all platforms, mm -hmm. I've seen white women Instagram or white girl Instagram the most. because, mm -hmm. And it's been the one that I've seen people share with boomers yeah. and like older people. Because... Mm -hmm. it, it's the one that reads to me the most comedy and it's the one that's so subtle that it's people will easily be like, haha, yeah, white, white girls do do this on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. I think what we're seeing when we're seeing people share the songs and specifically sharing them in connection with themselves, the people that are sharing the white woman's Instagram and saying like, oh, look, here's a photo that I've put up a few times or, yeah. oh yeah, this is my whole feed are the ones that are more focused on i'm not going to say shallow things because that makes it seem like a bad thing but are more focused on curating their own internet presence where it's people sharing latte, yeah. yeah yeah within the within the context of people who are saying this in like a positive or lot like i've definitely seen some people being like oh my god bo burnham you know absolutely came for me and dragged me mm -hmm. through the mud on this one because i fit all these stereotypes and i hate it Mm -hmm. um so i think there there are some people who are being a bit more self-aware about it but i also absolutely understand what you mean there yeah. yeah it's just it's just definitely the one that felt the most like out of place considering what everything else is doing and it's all like i get why he did it like with what you guys are saying it makes sense but like in terms of just watching it straight on first time it was like okay this is the one that's the most like it's comedy which is fine but um immediately after that <laughs> He goes, is it necessary that every single person on this planet expresses every single opinion they have on every single thing all the time? Yeah. <laughs> can everyone, can anyone ever just that. shut up? Yes, I know I'm not shutting up right now, and then it ends. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like... <laughs> and it, this, to me, rings more true to the Instagram, like, is, like, people sharing themselves. And then also, it's, it's, this screams Twitter and Facebook to me. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but this screams, this is what I feel Twitter and Facebook are doing. Yes. And Especially then he's, he self-reflects to make it not as bad, right? He's yeah. like, yes, I also do this. Yep. Yeah. Because yep. Twitter and Facebook may, uh, give us power in our voices. Like, if people are able to hear our voices all the time. But his, like, his proposition is, is that a good thing? Like, shouldn't people be able to just shut up? Like, <laughs> yeah, keep something offline and for yourself and your offline friends. It doesn't all have to be spread across the internet, right? And also, it might just not be great for you personally to want to need to have everything about yourself publicly available all the time. Yes, I, 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 yeah, you should. Internet safety, kids. <laughs> you should. The people. And we'll get to this on a later song, so I'm not going to go too into it. But we're mm -hmm. we shouldn't be giving all of ourselves to the internet. Simple. Yeah. The next song is another kind of comedy song. 
Um, in, in that the way it's framed in the actual special is weird. Um, the content of the song makes sense. So it's this called Unpaid Intern, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, very quick song, literally like seconds, right? About how companies enslave people yeah. in the form of unpaid interns. If you don't know 30, about that. four seconds. And, yeah, it's real simple, uh, real easy critique to make on, on current society. Yeah, because it's a bad thing. Sort of jazzy, bluesy style. Love, love the song. Like I said at the beginning, his songs are good, despite being like these comedy or commentary stylings. They're good musically. Like, I like them. I like listening to yeah. them. Um, but then this song becomes like a react video. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of what we're doing now, but not a react video. It's like him commenting on his own music. And then it just inceptions itself where it just keeps going. And he's like, what is happening? And it keeps Reacting playing to his, own his reaction. reaction. He becomes increasingly critical of himself, both in the song and in his the superficiality of his own reactions to it and then eventually yeah. just gets so uncomfortable he turns the whole thing off. This this feels more like a a direct response to his last commentary where it's like, can someone just shut up? Like, do we need reactions to things when the meaning's so obvious, right? Which I also read as his thoughts of him making this special pretty much by himself. I mean he does have a team behind him. But he's likely, as he's filming, going over and over and over and over the content. And at the end, he says something along the lines of, I don't want to do this anymore. And turns off the laptop. And to me, that read very much as, I'm tired of hearing my own voice and reacting to it and trying to make it better. There's also specifically, I think, a reaction to how critical he is of himself in those. Like, yes. he, the first thing he does is when he's, you know, this is a reaction video to the song I just did, and he tears it to shreds. And then mm-hmm. it loops, and he starts tearing his own tearing it to shreds to shreds. Yeah. Like, I think there's a bit of commentary on how the nature of, at the very least, successful reaction videos to things in a modern content ecosystem tend to have a very critical bent. And yeah. it's, it's the sort of thing that just spirals into a aggressive non-productive mess. yeah like i i think the best example of that what you're talking about is cinema sins it's just this no yeah. content con- like you did this wrong bing and it's like there's no real there's nothing to Got gain em. from watching cinema sins you're just like haha they did thing wrong uh, and it's like that's not a that's not like they're they the the i i get so mad at cinema sins because i love movies Directors do things on purpose. Tropes need to exist sometimes. Like it, it's just such a stupid. And this feels like him saying, "Yeah, that's stupid." Yeah, I went on a bit of rant there. I hate Cinemasins, but like <laughs> I think most many of us do. I remember um, enjoying it in the past, and I genuinely don't understand why now. Well, I'm a big movie fan, and it just grates me like no tomorrow. Um, the next song almost immediately is called Jeffrey Bezos or Jeff Bezos. It is Bezos One. And okay. It is one of my favorite songs on this. Uh, it's very comedy. Uh, there's, it's literally just him like, yeah, Jeffrey Bezos beat other billionaires. You did it, and that's it. Not sure. And there's this this synth solo. I didn't realize I needed in my life until it happened. It's yeah. very much an incomplete song. Uh, and it feels like as that, you, yeah. As you can guess from the fact that it's Bezos One, there's a Bezos Two later, and there's a pretty prevalent fan theory that it was part both these are part of a longer song that got vetoed somewhere along the way because you know 
Jeff Bezos owns a massive amount of modern media Does companies. And Hollywood. I don't think he owns Netflix. I would not be surprised if he owns significant shares in some company that holds a significant portion of Netflix. Uh, or even just you don't want to piss him off because he does distribute, like his company does distribution for a bunch of stuff. I feel like he if definitely there was owns... editing, that was the reason. Because you so, want to be able to go on Amazon's platforms and all the things Jeffrey owns, right? Yeah. Uh, and he also owns a whole bunch of media outlets in terms of newspapers and magazines, which you want good press in, right? So Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I, just, I don't know what this was if, if not that, right? So. Yeah. It definitely read as he had a whole song calling out Jeffrey Be Bezos, and yep. somewhere along the line, they went, "You can't put this in here." <laughs> yeah, it feels like they wound up having to cut it back to like, you know, like you remember with uh, how the world works. The first verse is very sort of harmless, and there's the setup for the second verse that rips it to shreds. I feel mm -hmm. like they're like, "You can't do the rip to shreds part." He was like, okay, well, if we throw in what's left of the first part, people will get the idea of where that was meant to go. And technically, yeah. it's all fairly complimentary. Nothing, it doesn't say anything that's technically bad about Jeff Bezos. No, and I think it, I think it might have actually almost been on purpose as well. Like, there, I could see a world where Bo's like, I'm just going to say positive things about Jeffrey Bezos, but people will get what I'm actually trying to do by how I'm going to cut it and split it up. Yeah. Right. So yep. I don't know. Like I think that was the eventual like I think that's what they are the the what they arrived at in the end, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um for those of you at home, Jeffrey Bezos is an awful human being. Uh, that's yeah. my and probably all of our opinions. So. Yeah. Trash. I'm not gonna say more. <laughs> yeah. He has delivered us a very nice sense of But if he wants to throw me a sponsorship or something, <laughs> you know, I might change my opinion. So we're probably yeah. I can Jeffrey involve. Bezos, we are making a new Patreon tier at um, 10000 per month. And if you subscribe personally, Jeffrey Bezos, we will make an episode where we take all of this back and just fill for you continuously. Oh, yeah. Well, I can admit when I'm wrong. A month. We're not admitting to being wrong because we're right. But I think I think 10000 is a low bid. I was going to go with a million. He's got the money for it. Yeah, it's true. Okay. He, and, he's, and he's used to dropping lots of money on stuff he doesn't need. So, yeah, like, come on, get this right. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Ne another commentary section. Uh, another rant from Bo. Maybe allowing digital media corporations to exploit the brain drama of children for profit was a bad idea. Maybe the flattening of the human subjective experience into a commodity for the rich elite as a way of life forever was a bad idea. This is another social media critique I get. It's yep. also a bit on him how like he got big on YouTube, I feel. Because um well, we'll get to that, but like it's very much like maybe like letting children expose themselves on social media is a bad idea. That's like what I get out of this. Yeah. It's a little bit of that and I think a little bit of uh not to get too far in my terminology, but alienation from the product of your labor. We have a new, unique perspective here, actually. We have a soon-to-be mother. Well, uh, it, you are a mother, but like yeah. your baby's growing up, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think about social media? What do you think about this specifically? It honestly scares me. Like, mm -hmm. I grew up without social media. My parents didn't even have internet until I moved out of the house. And right. it's honestly terrifying to think of the kids growing up with Facebook pages or Instagram pages. 
or even Twitter, whatever it happens to be, YouTube channels, and what that effect is going to be in the long term on their lives. Like, kids make mistakes, and all of a sudden you've got these kids making very public mistakes. And with the internet culture how it is, you make one little mistake and everyone comes after you. It's scary. Yeah, I I get that too, because like you, I didn't grow up with the internet. But now I see kids running around with phones and iPads and their life is on the internet. And this is how it's going to be forever. Right? Me me personally, I do share photos of my son online, but on private platforms with family and just friends. I don't share pictures of him publicly. He will not be getting a phone until he's a teenager or at least a smartphone until he's a teenager. Like he might have a flip phone to be able to call certain people, but he's not going to have, I'm going to try and limit his access to the internet as much as possible because I'm seeing how harmful that can be. Yeah. I don't know about limiting, but I think Bo is kind of like, it's not, it's just like TV. And we just recently, not too long ago, had studies about how parenting in the nineties and the 80s and living your kid in front of a TV affected those children, right? We just had studies come in about how awful that is and how people are still reeling from that in their therapist sessions today. And the studies on phones and iPads and what they're doing to children are being done right now, and we're not going to see them uh, for a long time. They're being done right now. So mind you, a lot of those studies about uh, screen time are often phrased in a very scaremongery way. Like there's absolutely a lot of problems that have come from kids being left in front of TV with nothing else to do. But there's something to be said that more of the problem has to do with the lack of other enrichment. Like it's 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 not you know something yeah. inherent to the TV. It's more of the fact that there is nothing else, and so yeah. a lot of the. I'm I'm inherently a little wary of studies like that because so many of them are just what what I've gained out of out of a lot of what I've seen is like the parent that just sits their kid down in front of a TV or a phone or an iPad and that's their new parent for them to take a break, right? It's like if the parent was there with them telling them about the internet or telling them about TV and like learning alongside them, it would be it would be a better situation. And and there's a lot to be said about supervised screen time. I mean, there's a lot of educational things online and in shows that could be really beneficial for helping to learn colors and shapes and numbers and et cetera. And I don't think there's anything wrong with you need a five minute break, put the TV on. They're happy for five minutes. You can do something for yourself, like eat. Yeah. But when it goes deeper of oh they have their own device that we don't supervise that's where it gets into iffy territory yeah. so yeah i think there's something to be said for even like there's something to be said for giving kids a degree of privacy like after a certain age giving yes privately on using stuff but yeah bo does come off a little bit of boomer here though because you hear a lot of phones are bad uh, commentary which isn't 100 percent true like there are bad things if all you do and all your life is connected to your screen time and your phone but it's not bad it to have on, a phone <laughs> i think it's on what part of it you criticize having phone not necessarily bad being tied to it 24 7 yeah so it's, it's a yeah. it matters yeah. what part of it you come at <laughs> yeah 
I feel like there's a whole lot more to be said about this, and I feel like we're probably getting a little bit off track, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go to the song Sexting. Mm-hmm. Right? That yep. is what it's called. Yep. Uh, very, very quickly, I don't think there's a lot to comment here. It's just about how like, people get their physical, like, need interaction during the pandemic, right? Because all they have is the phone. Single also, people specifically, right? Also, definitely a more comedic song. Like, the yeah. whole going back to emojis, as it is definitely more comedically oriented than, say, uh, how the world works. Right? Bo yeah. does not care about wearing clothes as well, which you'll notice a lot oh, yeah. in this uh, special. Yes. Um, then he says, thank you for watching his content while holding a knife to the screen, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. Yep. Um, very much like threatening you to watch his content. And then his song, Funny in a Room, I don't know what it's actually called, comes Look on. Look Who's Inside Again. What's it's it called? called? Look Who's Inside Again. Okay. I call it Funny in a Room, but yeah, that makes sense because it's another look at being a comedian in COVID this time in regards to more of the pandemic situation. But he goes further and he talks about how he almost prefers being inside. I've definitely read it as not only being a comedian in a pandemic, but also the ex- his experience with depression mm-hmm. and doing anything to get out of it. But then almost as a taunting tone in the song is, look who's inside again, went looking for a reason to hide again. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that it's one that I've seen a lot of people who are depressed identify very strongly with. Though mm-hmm. it's interesting because I've very rarely seen this song get shared around on social media, but I have seen the one or two lines at the end of the final song that make a, a callback to it. The, mm-hmm. the make a callback to the look who's inside again, uh, it, through to come out with your hands up gets yep. sort yep. of a refrain at the end. And that I've seen shared a billion and one times. Mm-hmm. So this is where we start getting a little romanticization of being depressed. Yes. And I don't know if we're gonna really we're gonna see more of that as we go on, which is something we'll probably have to get I feel like we're gonna have a disagreement at some point on that, but uh we'll see. So then I feel like goes, we need to look at the rest of the songs before talking about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Bo watching a video of his younger self projected on the wall, literally the YouTube video that made him who he is today uh, occurs after that song. Then a song, Hold Me Accountable or Problematic. I didn't know which one it would be called. Problematic. Okay. That was close. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, I'm, I'm guessing based on the, the song and what it's trying to convey. So I'm, I'm glad I did that because it gave me a different perspective than just looking at the name and instantly knowing that's what this, he was trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, this is <laughs> this is an interesting one. Uh, we could go on all day about this one. This is about white guilt, um, talking about how he was problematic in the past, and that's bad. But even while he's doing that in this song, the next verse is him going, oh, wait, I'm being problematic in this song. Oh, wait, I have that costume that I wore that was Aladdin. Oh, wait, should I, do so- should I burn in? Is that what I do? He doesn't really know. And then it ends with him being crucified. <laughs> it's very... Um... The the one line from How the World Works about, you know, that's the problem is you see everything through the lens of your own self-actualization. It's like, yep, that, that's this as a song. Yeah. Uh, white guilt for me, 
is like white guilt is not productive. No, um, you need to have that recognizing of what you've done and what's problematic, but what you really should be doing is looking forward and looking how to help people around you and not feeling, oh, woe is me. How do I fix myself? Mm-hmm. And the what I got from it too is the apology was more of a performative apology rather than actually i mean there's been a lot of conversations online about how if you screw up if you're saying sorry to the culture or the person that you've insulted you're looking at them to make you feel better yeah you yeah, fixed it, it by saying sorry somehow when the action is better than the word mm-hmm. it's sometimes you don't like i know we're saying it's you know don't don't um well on but like look how to make things better but even sometimes like Sometimes it's not your place to make things better. Sometimes you screwed up and there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. Flailing around trying to make yourself feel better about what you did isn't actually helping anyone. Yeah. Regardless of whether you think it's coming off as trying to help other people or not. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes another cut of him setting stuff up. And then immediately it's a clock, uh, 1150 something. And it's him talking about how he didn't want to turn 30 alone and how depressing that is and how awful that he's still working on this despite, you know, it being a year. And, like, when it does turn 30, he goes, yay! And, like, a sad kind of, like, that wasn't really great way. It's not relatable yet. We've got a couple of years left. But Which immediately goes there. into the song, right? Where he's, yep. like, tur- I think it, what's, is it called Turning 30? It's just called 30. Okay. So the song is also relevant to this because he talks about how turning 30 is a depressing landmark for him. Uh, He tries to measure his accomplishments to other people and what they were doing at 30 or around his age at 27 for one case. Calls out Zoomers because he's like, Zoomers are saying I'm out of touch. Well, when you get mental disorders from being with your phone all the time, (laughs) like, (laughs) and he also says my stupid friends are having stupid children a lot. And then he Ends with, he's going to kill himself at 40. Yeah, it was... It was a rough song. Um, it starts like he's used to be full of life when he was younger and, you know, ready to take on the world. He had a dream every night. And then, like you said, going into the talking about Gen Z, making fun of millennials. And to me, I read that as he's just tired. He's a tired millennial that has gone through a lot of shit and then i I read that as very self-deprecating in that like it's a common millennial slash boomer complaint is like oh the kids these days don't get it if only they Mm -hmm. hadn't but like but like a lot of gen z people do have horrible depression and anxiety actually yeah it's something that i think some certain more woke millennials are aware of and i which i think includes him and i'd argue that i i I saw that as being like sort of self-deprecating like Oh no, I'm old now. I have to not understand that the children have the same problems as we do. Yeah. Fair. This is yeah, another him making a suicide joke as well, which is yes. something that's common. Um, I was looking for excuses as to why he would be doing this for any other reason than trying to say, like, obviously he's depressed or was depressed. I, I would say he is based on this. Like, I don't know anything about him. I don't have a, I don't even have a parasocial relationship with him. So I know nothing about him. And it's like 
based on this, he is depressed. And he, him saying he's going to kill himself at 40 felt very real. It didn't feel like he was joking. That's not a joke. He really feels like if Bo turns 40, we should be worried. Like, <laughs> you know? And it's like immediately followed up by something that reinforces this idea. Yeah. The flat way he said 2030, I'll be 40 and kill myself then. Yeah. It was worrying. And I mean, I know he has spoke about he's been in therapy and getting help, which I'm happy about. But I see this thought repeated with so many people of I'm just going to make it to this year and then I'm done. Yeah. He immediately follows this up with uh, talking about, no, don't act- I don't actually want to kill myself. And it's sarcastic. And he's mm-hmm. like, then he turns to the audience and he goes, don't kill yourself. And it's condescending. And then it becomes, it goes into this weird thing where it's a projection of him being sarcastic and condescending about suicide. Like, as if people who don't want you to do suicide are selfish. I'm and not it's sure projected- to be selfish. Well, that's, that's just how it's framed, right? I know, but I've, so, okay, I've heard from people before that one of the more effective things that a lot of people who had suicidal thoughts often found that, like, did keep them going was the idea that, like, other people will be hurt by you doing it if you do. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's meant as a selfish thing. I think that's meant as, like, it is one of the commonly effective ways of getting people who are suicidal to rethink things. Yeah, but he literally, like, this is like, all done it's... while it's projected on a shirt of an older Bo Burnham just staring off the screen, looking disinterested. Um, not sure what the commentary is in there, but well, I feel like I that's, that's what he feels on the inside, right? I think that's setting you up for where this is going. So we're still in the, we're, this is where we're ending off the first half of things, but it's only going downhill for the mental health from here. And so, something else, um, I'm not suicidal myself. I've never been suicidal. Luckily, I've had fairly decent mental health all of my life but from people that i follow online that are currently suicidal or have been in the recent past this part hit them so hard of i don't want the happy cheerful go lucky oh no don't kill yourself you've got so much to live for so much to do and him calling it out this way helped them and they reached out to him through Twitter or wherever saying, you know, I'm not okay. And this helped me realize that it's okay right now to be not okay as long as I'm getting help. And, you know, it, it's interesting you ha- looking at it from that different mindset. Um, so just... uh, I'm going to make an admission. I have been suicidal in my life. So... When listening to this and him go, I've had people kill themselves around me, and I didn't love that. If I could kill myself for a year, I would, and we shouldn't be dead forever yet, so we shouldn't kill ourselves, right, guys? Like, like all of that, to me, was like... Um, <laughs> yeah, fair. I don't know. I, it, didn't, it didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll put it that is, way. Yeah, which is fair, and I, I think it's what different people need when they're in that mindset and to him maybe he thought hey if there's other people in the specific mindset i'm in this will help them maybe not realizing that it won't help everyone yeah yeah i i think that sounds right to me i i (laughs) saw uh, if you i completely forgot about that line about like 
if I could be dead for a year. Speaking of the whole, you know, knowing you can't do anything about your problems. Yeah. I, I, I saw it as, like, very... Like, he was making fun of all the reasons I had latched onto to stay alive. And, like, it, tearing them down and saying it's not... It's not... It was, like, all fake. And well, that's just what I, I took away from it. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, which is, coming from your personal experience, completely fair to take it that way. And... I, I don't know, words aren't coming to me easily right now, but it's definitely he's speaking almost to himself there i think yeah i mean very much given the the context of the latter half of it where he's older him watching it on the phone i think yeah absolutely and then he cleans the camera as an intermission appears on the screen like it's intermission then he cleans the camera which i don't think means anything but you never know and then he's song called i don't want to know i think yep you got it exactly Yep. Song about him asking questions he doesn't want to know the answer to. Very simple, very quick. I don't know if there's much to touch on here. Uh, I don't really have anything for that one. I honestly do not remember the song. It's it's very much a a very on the wall writing of don't a- people ask questions but they don't want the answers right. So, <laughs> and then he mocks a Twitch stream. Um, he plays a game called Inside. He plays up a standard Twitch streamer. But the game isn't actually a game, it's him. And all you can do is walk around, you're locked inside the same room he's in uh, throughout this special. Uh, All you can do is cry or play the piano, and that's your day. It's every day in this game. And he's like, oh, it's supposed to be boring, like Death Stranding. (laughs) And and check the door to see if you can get out. Yeah. And uh, I thought this was the most, like, on-the-nose, like, I don't really know what he was trying to do but like maybe like the entertainment we get during this pandemic has been through twitch and like people play up how interesting a game is because that's their income that's their audience and they play what's most popular yeah which i definitely got from that too of you know even people trying out a boring game or one a new game that's boring to them they try and make it oh look look how exciting this is we can do this we can do that and so I read it as I read it as like a disconnect between stream a lot of popular streamers and like reality and that it's something that I think a lot of people who watch this relate to intimately is like do nothing but cry and try and fail to do a hobby and see if you can go outdoors. And the person who's doing the streaming is like largely blissfully oblivious to the fact that this should be incredibly relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not mm-hmm. for them. Because they're rich, usually. Yep. Um then he goes to bed with a spotlight on his face and the doors creaked open a little. Um, then a song called Bag of Shit. I'm not sure. If that's uh, it's just titled one. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, songs about how people feel right now in quarantine, how everything's shit, shitty and you feel like a bag of shit. Everything's a bag of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, another sh- like I don't shallow isn't the right way because it sounds negative. Another very simple commentary on what's going on right now i don't think like it's very obvious to the person listening to the song what he's trying to get across um then it goes to another shot of outside through the blinds um then he talks again 
to the audience another commentary it's like my mental health is bad right now i only feel okay when i'm asleep mm-hmm. however <laughs> this time uh interspersed with his commentary is a song i don't know if this one has a title but every now All and then it'll cut. Yeah. okay it cuts to him being like super fake and like happy about what's going on and it's like uh, what I see most people say about this one is it's the difference between actual bow and entertainer bow. Yeah. So not I've much there, of, but I've seen a lot of older people who are very disturbed by the degree to which a lot of younger people relate to the song and the one before it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, for those at home, this is a less professionally put together uh, version okay. of a of an regular episode. <laughs> This is your your pre-recorded live show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to leave it like this because that's just how it is. Yeah. All right. The next song is called Welcome to the Internet. Um, Which. Oof. <laughs> uh, about ev- how everything and everything can be found all of the time on the Internet. How apathy is tragedy and boredom's crime. There's a slow mid part where it's like things weren't always like this. And then it ends with an evil laugh and it goes right back into the, like. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe the internet's bad in some way. Like it, it frames a, the internet, which is him as the narrator, as evil and spooky. Right. It's very. I saw a very good article comparing the character he puts on here of the internet to uh, the villains from Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah. It, it's got like the carnival sound to the music. He's got the mirrored glasses. He'll take you to the side and talk about how. It used to be something different, and they built it up beautifully just for you. Won't, won't you come? Can't, can't I interest you in everything all of the time? And then the laugh and the whole dragging you back in, and it's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It was also interesting how so he's saying all sorts of different things, and it's bad back to back with good things, and it's definitely to me it hit as the our desensitization to bad things we see something bad online and go oh that's a tragedy the next thing we see is something good and we're like okay we've forgotten about it i go from uh the death of like like a a person in the u.s because of police to like puppies on my feed right yeah yeah i i get that and i get like what he's trying to say is like just that weirdness of how the internet has literally everything and how it's all together right side by side it was designed this way to pull you in, yeah, especially yeah. for people who've been who've been raised with it since the beginning. This is it's all here. It's all here. It's the good and the bad. It's all next to each other. But it was very much designed this way with the explicit purpose of luring you in. This yeah. is this this should scream danger. Yeah. And then it's him back again talking about how he's worried he's never going to finish the sequel. And then he talks about how now he's like, he never wants to finish the sequel because it would mean have him having nothing to do during the pandemic. Yeah. Jeffrey Bezos part two enters, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about. There's not much there. It's very like literally two seconds of him just going, you did it. Ha ha. And it's then beautiful. it is, it is a thing of beauty. And <laughs> the like two nights after I watched this, I genuinely could not get to sleep for the better part of like an hour because I just had it looping in my head. Yeah, it's so catchy. A lot of people make that comment about this, where like they can't get some of these songs out of their head, and, and yeah. given their content, 
that's impressive. Yeah. And to add in, to to be clear, because the smash cuts from the part before it, where he was like last thing he was talking about, it smash cuts from him commenting on something to sitting in the dark with lights blazing all over the place, wearing I believe a ghillie suit. Yeah, it looks and like yeah. and and the the sunglasses pounding away at the keyboard, like yeah. having a, a little one man midnight rave to himself, and the comedic timing of that cut is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then we see Bo's face, and he's like looking pretty placid. And then a laugh track kicks in, and he smiles. And then we instantly cut from that to animal sounds and trees projected on the wall, and he's sitting down on a stool like a real live comedy show. And he's like, real world, I learned recently that real world human contact will kill you. All human interaction should be digital. The outside place is just a, the outside is just a place to generate content for the digital superior space. You should treat it like Um, a coal mine. You suit up before going in, go in to get what you need, and get back out to the more important digital world. And then he makes a lame joke about pirate maps. And it's like, what was, like, what was that? (laughs) Like, it was it was very clear like him being like a lot of things going on like live shows are kind of irrelevant right now with a lame laugh track and then the lame jokes don't really matter and then it's like yeah we all love being inside right <laughs> I don't know yeah if ever I've seen like a, a manufactured cry for help that was an excellently executed one yeah mm-hmm. and then and then uh, funny feeling. Is the yeah, next that, funny, that funny feeling. feeling, which is my favorite song. On yeah. The yes. Yeah. This is the. This is also my favorite, and for a good reason, because I see a lot of people pointing this one out as their favorite uh, song, because just like the internet, he goes from like various things, like some good, some bad, all about how they give him this funny feeling, mm-hmm. and he he says some really interesting words about this funny feeling. Um, because like as you're watching this happen, the camera slowly zooms in on Bo, and he talks mm-hmm. about how he's like, "I'm not a good singer, and I'm not, I don't play guitar." And then he does it perfectly, and then yeah. he talks about how there's a total disassociation going on in the world, and he talks mm-hmm. about something called derealization. And I'm gonna leave what he said there, where you should Google it, and we're not gonna talk and, about it and not liking what you find. Yeah, you should Google it. Yep. And then uh, he talks on what I like to call sticker liberalism or like we like classified as rainbow liberalism rainbow capitalism um, where it's like very fake and peels off easily uh he talks on globalism commercialism etc there's like a bunch of stuff he talks about that gives him this uh, funny feeling and it's worth just listening to the song alone and trying to take I've, in everything he talks about i've heard yeah, people it, call it uh like we didn't start the fire for our generation and i think oh, it's yeah. really accurate yeah, And it was interesting to me, so as listening to this song for the first time, and then again for the second and the third time, it was, the I think, the first song on soundtrack that made me go, hey, maybe this whole pandemic, I was in a bad place, and I should have talked to my doctor about it. Yeah. And That's a lot true. of what he was saying was hitting home. Absolutely. That's, see... It should maybe be mildly disturbing to me that my my reaction to it was, huh, this is the first time I've heard my own inner monologue put so accurately to song by someone else. Yeah, uh, yeah same. It, it describes perfectly how we feel. We feel helpless and we feel weird. And there's just no good way to explain what that feeling is, except all of these things at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, obviously was... there's comedy in there, uh, in the song, but like but most comedy of it has then... real aspects. Right? There's comedy, and then there's the the quiet comprehension of the ending of it all. Yeah, and these like <laughs> beautiful lines that just encapsulate the sense of uh, melancholy resignation, and it's oh, it's so good. Yeah, and this the, is another guitar and... of, of yeah. depression almost because he's like, oh yeah, the end is coming, and that's a good thing. It'll yeah, be it'll over, be over soon. soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't worry. And yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's one one line in particular that mentions like twenty thousand years of this and seven more to go, and I really wonder what those numbers are referencing because I feel like that. Oh, he's referencing the the doom clock. What what doom clock gives us seven more years? I don't know. There's this one that scientists keep altering, posted somewhere in the U.S. Uh, he has a picture of it on his Twitter, so that that okay, would be my right. guess. <laughs> Just based on because I went to his Twitter to look at it. Yeah, that makes more sense than what I was going to guess. So good. Uh, that's just my guess. I don't know, but that would be my guess based on what I saw on his Twitter. Uh, then it's more nature projected on a wall, and then it's him talking in front of this about how he's still working on this special. And he's like one year longer than I thought I'd be working on it. He's getting mad that he can't finish. And then it zooms in on the camera again, and he's like, I'm not well, and he cries, and we still keep zooming into the camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And away from Bo while he cries on this app. Which, I am i don't know if that's genuine or not, because again, this is a guy who's played with whether or not what he's showing is genuine significantly in the past, but if it isn't, yeah, he's not a good narrator. really fucking well. Yeah, he's not um, a, we can't rely on him as a narrator, but we, because yeah. he's very meta with it, everything. Which and then the speaks to his acting skills because yeah. that was damn convincing. Then the another good song, "All Eyes on Me." Mm-hmm. This I'm one is right definitely next. tied with uh, that funny feeling for my favorite of all the oh. ones on the special. It's a very good song. Um, I liked how he staged it like a fake live show with a fake mm-hmm. audience, um, yeah. and how he tries to get interaction from people on another side of the screen to the point. Where in the song he grabs the camera and shakes it around and gets mad at the audience because because he knows he's not you're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and also he states in the song "Pray for Me." He stares at us a lot and he talks about how he quit performing five years ago. He got better at the start of 2020 and then something funny happened. And he yeah. says like he says things like "Your water's rising, like I care. The world is ending. It are you say the world is ending? It already did. You're not going to do anything about it now. Get inside, like." It's very romanticizing. You can't can't do anything about it. Yeah. Heaven knows you tried. Mm -hmm. So come on, get in. Yeah, it it definitely hits hard. I mean, like you said, the part you say the ocean's rising, like I give a shit. The whole world's ending. Honey, it already did. And to me, it's definitely like, how are everyday people supposed to care about the end of the world when really the everyday person, there's not a damn thing you can do to stop what's going on yeah yeah there's a lot of things people are trying to care more about than the end of the world right now like people are trying to afford rent in their one room apartments that this entire show is centered around Mm -hmm. or like they're trying to feed themselves or deal with depression because of covid and like deal with how how cruel and uncaring social media is yeah and then he wakes up in his apartment, it's a mess, and he does more working on the show. But it's it's very much 
clearly more of a mess than where he started the show at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into the last kind of end spiel here where he goes, I think I'm done. And we assume he means the show, but like with all the commentary on his life and how he hates it, like I, I feel like there was a lot more than just the show there. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It was interesting because clearly he didn't end up killing himself because not even Netflix executives would green light putting that on a streaming service. Right. Well, yeah. But it was just interesting that he's like, I think I'm done. And then his final song, I don't know the title I wrote, Possible Ending Song, because that's what he goodbye. started off with. Yeah, there you go. It's a goodbye. Um, it is a goodbye. Uh, more commentary on how jokes feel hollow right now. He promises to never go outside again. He talks to the audience and says, how about next time I sit on a couch and you make the show and I watch it? It's got callbacks um, to a whole bunch of the other songs. Yeah. To Welcome to the Internet, to The Funny Feeling, to... Um... He the flips them all, there. though. This yeah. time they're all directed at him instead of the audience. Or vice versa. Yeah. Um, Like the, oh, shit, you're really joke. You're really laughing at a time like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you're really joking is, at a time like this. Is, is, yeah, but that one is flipped from towards him towards the audience. Yeah. And it's delivered with a much more, I want to say, like a much more passionate sense of feeling than when it was initially delivered. Yeah. It's it's like in a minor key too, so it gives it that ironic refrain. It's beautiful. And then he goes outside to end the show. He finally escapes his apartment, but he ends up on a stage with a fake audience clapping and laughing, and he's now trapped, wanting to go back inside, but everyone keeps laughing at him, thinking it's a part of the joke. And then it zooms out, it's on a TV screen, and while Bo on the screen cowers and cries because of the audience, there's another Bo watching this and he smiles. And it's like and a horrifying smile. Yeah. And there's one, there is one last song that's the song that plays during the credits, which is called Any Day Now. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I didn't really listen to that one. Is there it's, anything it's, in that one? It's pretty straightforward. It's not a bad song. Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot to talk about. Okay. There's the fun fact that at the end, there's a little thing being like, hey, if you, you know, are thinking about suicide, here's where to get help. And like, this is, you know, arguably one of the most important things said in this show, and Netflix craftily made it so that the watch something else part panel pops up right in front of that, so you can't see it. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like good the, work, Netflix. Yeah. the The suicide hotline information should have been at the beginning of this show. Yeah. Um, Netflix is terrible. I mean, lots of media companies are terrible with hiding the suicide. Uh, hotline information at the end of shows when really it should be at the beginning because if you have somebody in a fragile mental state who is watching this if they need help they don't need it at the end they need it at the beginning your discretion is advised here they should have a toggle on shows that creators can put on where if someone exits the show halfway through the show it brings up a little pop-up with that like we we expect you to potentially need this information through this one. So if you quit yeah. halfway through, or you like when you exit it, be that halfway or at the end, it's gonna pop up and just give it to you to be sure. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that inside is both a commentary on the pandemic and how all of us are inside right now, and also a commentary on Bo's internal mental state and what's going on inside of him. And yes. I think it's very cl- very cl- made very clear throughout that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, inside means more than just 
what's yeah. we're inside right now means what's going on inside of your mental state. Yeah. And on top of that, I I just wanted to end kind of where we're talking with like the discussion, like we talked a lot around it, but it really felt like to me, and I don't know if this was in his intention, but it felt like to me a lot of the times he was romanticizing the idea of letting go, ending everything, which obviously with his so many direct quotes of about suicide and his own suicide and how he's going to do it at 40 and stuff like that almost romanticizing suicide because like it's going to be over soon but he never makes the argument why it shouldn't be over now like it almost seems like it's over soon i just don't have the courage to do it now like i didn't really know if that was his intention but that's what i got from it a lot so of it. i think that i think that this might be something that i don't know if you're not picking up on it as much because i mean I don't want to say this insultingly, but it sounds like you're still on Facebook. But it's a very uh, common thing in like Gen Z culture and humor that it, it's just a given that everyone sort of wants to die all the time. Like the fact that he took the time to be like, "No, actually, I am joking about that," and like even in a sarcastic tone of voice is honestly a step more than i would have expected given to what degree a lot of the rest of the special uh immerses itself in that culture yeah. well i i would disagree heavily i i don't think you can take just gen z's experience and be like that's the proper way to express this like, no for sure but that they are that is that group is at least in my view very much who this this special is oriented no. towards yeah it's right, but they're not the only ones watching it that's true that's true. It's interesting. I mean, so many different people will draw different things from it. And to me, it did feel a little bit like he was romanticizing depression. At the same time, though, he's specifically talking about his experiences with depression and what he's feeling disconnected from the world. And I think that's where you get the feeling of uh, maybe this wasn't the correct way to say some of these things because he's not looking at how do I say this for everyone? He's looking at it as how do I say this that's true to what I'm feeling? Yeah, which I understand. I, I just think the way it's presented, and I'm not a psychological expert or anything, so I can't make a commentary here. But mm -hmm. do you remember, that? have you heard of the impact of the show 30 Reasons Why? Yes. Yeah. So it felt very much like that, but less like he wanted to be less corporate. Let, like he's very being very honest. In that show, they romanticized the idea of suicide as like a way to get revenge. And it a lot of psychologists got up in arms about that because they're like, this is real. These are real things you're doing to people when you talk about things this way. And it's something where I, and I could be wrong about this, but this is what I remember hearing about it at the time. They essentially hired some people to be like, hey, can you give us some advice on how not to like actually promote suicide on our show? And they got a list of things to do as like not to do as advice. And then they basically just did all of them. Yeah. Like it yeah. was very part of the reason experts are so pissed off about that one is because they'd gone directly in the face of expert advice on yeah. what not to do. Yeah, it's it's I would like to say it's easy to be a doomer right now. And. For the audience at home, a doomer is someone who has no positive outlook on the way things are going in the world. 
I think it's very easy to look at the world and be like, well, nothing's going to get better. Everything's awful and it's only getting worse. And even if things do get well, you know, we're headed for climate catastrophe in the next 20 years. So does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. Which is very real. And I, something interesting, I was wondering how many people after watching this went, oh shit, maybe I'm depressed and maybe I should look into this because there was a lot of call outs that were very relatable. You're like, well, if he's really depressed and I'm relating to over half of this content, what does that say about me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the reason I I really want to react to this is because it really it's a piece of media, a piece of art that I've not really seen done this way before, ever. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, his philosophy and the things he brings up are biting. They're very much hard to ignore. Even the things I might like disagree with in terms of how they're presented. Nothing he says here is wrong. Like everything he says here is very much the truth of the matter. And I can't. Like, it's just very solidly facts that make you feel uncomfortable. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Yes, these things are happening. This is the way the world is. It's uncomfortable how easy it is to relate to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought when I saw this, because people kept recommending it. And, you know, I like comedy every now and then. And I watched it. I very much regretted it watching it alone because like yeah. it really it re- you really should have someone there with you just so you can reel from it a bit more and be like holy that just happened well, you I, should at the very least make sure you're in like a good headspace before you yes. do it that's what i've been yeah. recommending like, not watch it if you're trying to work yourself out of a depression or a depression or anxious funk because that's that's going to do the opposite of what you're intending I highly encourage if you're in a fragile mental state and you have not watched this or have heard some of the songs and are maybe looking to get some reactions on it before watching, please watch it with somebody, whether that's in person or online. If you are in a fragile mental state, do not watch this alone, just in case. Yeah. Yep. And I'll agree with that. I Like I said, like, I, I don't know about Zoomers, uh, but I know me watching this, like, I, I'm I, I'm fine now. I'm not where I used to be. But, like, me watching this was, like, if I was where I was then, it would only make me feel worse. Yeah. And it was, like, I definitely don't... I agree with Leslie. I think you should definitely come in with someone else. And I think um, if that someone else is there with you, have have the suicide hotline stuff brought up at the beginning of the episode like remind yourself yeah. read it make sure you know the number because and make sure that i, I don't know what this is going to do to you because it it really messes people up <laughs> and if you're if you're watching it with someone make sure it's someone who can talk you down from a sense of resignation because i think yeah. that's what hits a lot of people the hardest is it's not even like it's it it's very easy to watch this and justifiably to a degree get a sense that like that, that sense we were talking about earlier, that there's nothing you can do. That even if you do your best to make progress in important places, it's going to be overweighed by bad things happening in other ones. And the things that you really want to be able to do something about, you can't. And that's something yeah. that is very, very layered on. And if you aren't careful with it, it's something that is easy to give into. And that's that's the big sort of danger on this one. At least yeah. it was for me. Just know that 
um, hugs are free. Yeah. Uh, everyone here in this podcast, uh, at least to the listeners, if you are listening, we probably care about you. And we do not want you to harm yourself in any way, shape, or form. And yeah. um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our special guest, Leslie, for coming on. Thank you for and, having uh, me. Hope you like our first episode of Armchair React.